Hey, it's Pastor Mike. Have you ever wondered what God is like, or what Jesus was all about, or how you get saved, and what getting saved means anyway? Well, if you've ever felt embarrassed to ask, please don't. I really want to help you understand our big, amazing God. And a great place to start is a little book that I wrote called The Basics. God, You, Jesus, and Faith. And here's more good news. If you're always on the go and don't have time to read, you can now listen to The Basics as a podcast series. Just search for The Basics with Pastor Mike Novotny wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We have access to an unlimited amount of information, but we lack wisdom. We don't always know the choices that we should be making. And that's why we're going through this new series focusing on God's wisdom. And we're going to be looking at a book devoted to wisdom, the book of Proverbs. Now, this book was written by a man named King Solomon, and he was supposedly the wisest man who ever lived. And, and this book is divided into 31 chapters. And so if you wanted to, you could read a chapter a day and get through the whole book in a year. And this book, it's filled with practical wisdom, practical ideas on what you're supposed to do with your life. But before we get into all those practical ideas, I want to begin with this question. Where do I even begin to find wisdom? Where do I begin? Uh, do I begin looking at Google? Do I begin going out there and, and checking out Google? Or do I begin in here looking at my gut? When we go to the book of Proverbs, the Bible says don't start with Google and don't start with our gut. Start with God. In fact, in the opening chapter of the book of Proverbs, we hear the theme of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, it says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despised wisdom and instruction. So, if you want to be wise, you got to begin with God. you got to begin looking at God. God designed this world. God designed how things are supposed to be made. Um, he knows what's wise. He knows what's foolish. God is a source of wisdom. Now, that's not only the theme of the book of Proverbs. It's really the theme of the whole Bible. When we go to the very beginning of the Bible, the opening chapters in Genesis, God creates this very good world and he puts Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And he says, you are free to eat from any tree that's in the garden except for the tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, really the tree of wisdom. God says, that's my tree. I own wisdom. I know what's right and wrong, good and evil, good and bad. Don't eat from that tree. And so, in a way, that tree represented a choice. Um, Adam and Eve, they could be wise in their own eyes or they could trust God's version of wisdom. Well, we know what happened, don't we? Um, Adam and Eve, they listened to the lie of the devil. They took from that tree because they wanted to lean on their own understanding. They thought they could be wise in their own eyes and because of that, they became fools. They brought into God's good world evil and wickedness and sin and death. And so God had to make a new tree, the tree of the cross, where, where Jesus hung on the cross and paid for all of our sins. And then he rose again to prove that we are forgiven children of God. Now, as forgiven children of God, God presents us with another choice. Will we 
trust in the Lord, trust in God's version of right and wrong and good and bad and wisdom and foolishness? Or are we going to lean on our own understanding? Maybe I could say it this way. A few years ago, my wife and I, we, we bought bedside dressers uh, from Ikea. And when my wife put together the dresser on her side of the bed, uh, she opened up the instruction manual and, and she read through it and she followed all the instructions. <laughs> I, on the other hand, uh, I started to l- read the instructions, but then um, I thought, you know, basically I know how this is supposed to be put together. But guess what? By the time I was done, my drawers wouldn't open up. The dresser drawers wouldn't open up. It didn't work because I didn't follow the instruction manual. I didn't trust that the person who designed those bedside dressers knew what he was doing. You get the point, right? Either we can trust that God is the creator of all things, and so he knows the best way that we should live. He knows the wisest way we should live, or we can trust ourselves, be wise in our own eyes. And so... Where do we begin to find wisdom? The book of Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So begin with God. Let's pray. Lord God, sometimes I think I can be wise on my own. Sometimes I go with my gut. Or sometimes I think I should just go search Google. Open my eyes to see that you're our good creator. Open up our eyes to to search wisdom from you, to know that, that you are wise and lead us to walk in wisdom. Amen. When it comes to living a wise life, we might know the right thing to do, but we don't always know how to carry it out, how to actually put a wise life into practice. We're continuing our series talking about seeking God's wisdom as we're looking at the book of Proverbs. And maybe you study the Bible and you know the right thing you're supposed to be doing. You just have trouble carrying it out, putting it into practice. And so that's the question we want to answer in this video. How can I actually put a wise life into practice? Now, the Bible says that that we should meditate on God's word. So that's important. Meditate on what the wise thing we're supposed to be doing. Uh, We should be praying for wisdom, calling out to God, asking him to make us wise. But living a wise life is not an individual sport. We need each other. It's It's a team sport. We can't do this alone. In fact, the book of Proverbs says it this way, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You get the picture, right? A knife can't sharpen itself. You need a stone or some more iron or something else to sharpen the knife. And the same thing with us. We can't make ourselves wise. We need other people. Now, Alcoholics Anonymous or Weight Watchers or CrossFit, they already get this. They know that that if you want to overcome an addiction, you're going to have a lot more success if you're with a group of people who are wise and are helping you. The same thing if you want to maybe lose weight or get fit. Uh, Weight Watchers and CrossFit, they know that that we need lots of people to encourage us and help us and lead us to stay on track and to put wisdom into practice. And it's the same way in God's Word. In the book of Proverbs, it says this, Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. 
Walk with the wise. The, the people you are walking with, the people that you are hanging out with, have a huge impact on whether you're actually going to live a life of wisdom. Here's how I try to put this into practice. Every morning, my wife and I, we, we meet together in our little office in our house, and we talk about the decisions that we need to make, and she helps instruct me, and I learn from her about what it looks like to live a wise life. And then I have pastors and friends, people I, I meet with regularly when I have decisions that I need to make, and they help me walk in a wise way of living. How about you? Who are the people that, that, that you're walking with? Who are the people that are influencing you? How do we actually put a wise life into practice? Walk with the wise, and you'll be wise. Let's pray. Lord God, I ask that you would put people in our lives today, people who are wise, people who know your word, people who can point us back to Jesus. We might know the right thing we're supposed to do, but we need help from wise people around us that can teach us how to walk in wisdom. In your name we pray, amen. What are some of the most critical decisions that we need to make? We're continuing our series about seeking God's wisdom, and today we want to talk about what is the most critical decision that we need to make. And as we open up to the book of Proverbs, uh, we see that the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs is a talk between Solomon and his son. And he's trying to pass on some of the most important decisions that his son will need to make. And a subject that he keeps on circling around to is the subject of sex. Maybe that's because in, in Solomon's life, this was an area that caught caused great harm and, and struggle in his life. He had hurt a lot of people. In fact, he had 700 wives and 300 other women in his life, and it created great damage to himself and his kingdom and, and many other people. And so he wants to speak to his son about making wise decisions when it comes to his sexual life. And so in Proverbs chapter 5, Solomon begins by saying this, My son... Pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear to my words of insight, that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. He says, pay attention, son. We're going to have the talk. Listen up. He says, for the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. He's trying to tell his son, sexual sin, it might seem enticing, it might feel as, as sweet as honey at first or, or as smooth as oil. But just because something feels good at first doesn't mean it's actually good for you. Because Solomon goes on, he says, But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. In other words, just because um, it might seem enticing at first doesn't mean it's good for you. Sexual sin will actually harm you. Uh, you think that you're going into uh, the bedroom and he says you're actually going to the grave. Now, it's not that Solomon thinks that sex is bad. In fact, if we'd keep reading the rest of this chapter, he would talk about sex in a way that would make most of us blush. So he knows that sex is a good thing inside of marriage the way it was supposed to be, the way it was designed to be. 
but, but sex outside of marriage, that could actually harm you. And so he gives this advice. He says, keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Stay away from sexual sin. It makes me think of this story in the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, of a man named Joseph. He's a servant of a man named Potiphar. And Potiphar's wife uh, wants to sleep with Joseph. And, and Joseph knows this, and so he does everything he can to stay away from her. But one time, uh, she corners him. And when she corners him, she says, come to bed with me. And she grabs his coat, and he flees out of the room. And that's what Solomon is trying to teach his son. Flee from sexual sin. Don't let it come near your life. And so what does that look like for us? Well, if you struggle with maybe internet pornography, don't go near it. Put up all the blocks that you need to put on your computer. Uh, if there's that relationship um, at work or in your neighborhood that you know that could be harmful to your, your soul, don't go near that kind of relationship. Now, like Solomon, maybe some of you have struggled in this area and you've, you've seen sin and you've hurt yourself or hurt other people. Now's the time to be open with that sin, confess that sin to God, and Jesus can heal you with his forgiveness and his love as you continue to make amends for those sins. But here's what Solomon really wants to teach his son. He wants to teach us. How do we make wise decisions in our sexual life? Don't go near the door of adultery. Let's pray. Lord God, as we consider all the important decisions that we need to make today, help us to heed the advice and wisdom of Solomon to stay away from sexual sin. Lord God, you've given sex as a, a blessing for marriages, and, and, and this is a good thing from a good God. Help us not to twist it or to use it in a way that's outside of your will. In your name we pray, amen. Jesus said, be wise as snakes and innocent as doves. He said, in some ways we should imitate snakes. Snakes are not easily fooled. But that doesn't mean that we should be deceitful like a snake. No, we should still be as innocent as a pure white dove. What Jesus is teaching us is that dealing with people can be difficult. Now, as we continue to go through the book of Proverbs and look at seeking God's wisdom, in this video, we really want to answer the question, 
How can I be wise in dealing with people? And to answer that question, we're going to go to Proverbs chapter 9. And in Proverbs chapter 9, Solomon's going to give us three categories of, of, of people that you're going to probably run into today. That's what he says. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Instruct the wise and they'll be wiser still. Did he catch it? Uh, Solomon says that, that you're going to run into people who are wise, unwise, and wicked. And you know you're dealing with a wise person when you instruct them and they receive that kind of instruction. You know you're dealing with an unwise or a mocker, a foolish person, when you instruct them and they insult you and push back to you. You know you're dealing with an evil person when they want to harm you. And in his book, Necessary Endings, Christian psychologist Henry Cloud talks about how you should deal with these three different types of people. He says, when you're dealing with a wise person, uh, pour into that person, mentor that person, because they're going to be wiser still. When you're dealing with somebody who is unwise, a, a mocker, he says, stop talking to that person. In fact, that's exactly what the book of Proverbs says. It says, don't speak to fools, for they will scorn your prudent words. Don't speak to that kind of person. You're just wasting your words. Sometimes you have to love people enough that they feel the consequences of their actions. And then finally, when you're dealing with somebody who is wicked, somebody who wants to harm you, um, that kind of person you need to avoid at all costs. In fact, the book of Proverbs says it this way. In the paths of the wicked are snares and pitfalls, but those who would preserve their life stay far from them. Uh, Henry Cloud says, if you're dealing with somebody who's wicked, who wants to harm you, uh, maybe you're in school, you should talk to your teacher about that person or, or, or talk to the principal. Uh, if you're in a, a job situation, talk to the boss. Maybe you need to involve the authorities or, or, or the government in somebody who's bent on harming you. So, you might look at that and, and think, uh, that's a little harsh. That's not very loving. But remember, you're just following what Jesus said. When you're dealing with people, God wants you to be as wise as snakes and innocent as doves. And so, how can we deal wisely with people? Instruct the wise, don't speak to a fool, and avoid the evil. Let's pray. Lord God, today we're going to run into all different types of people. Give us wisdom to, to be as shrewd or wise as a snake, but as innocent as a dove. Lead us to, to instruct the wise. Lead us to, uh, to help those who, who are unwise, to let them feel the consequences of their actions. And Lord God, protect us from all kinds of evil. In your name we pray. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. When I was a young boy and I remember getting picked on and I was told to tell the bully 
that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I know the person telling me that was trying to give me some good advice, but it didn't really help because bruises, well, they can go away, but, but words seem to last a long time. They seem to hurt. As we continue our series on seeking God's wisdom, we want to talk about today is the power of words. In fact, the book of Proverbs says this, The tongue has the power of life and death. The, the tongue has the power to, to build people up or to break people down. And so the question we want to answer in this video is, how can I be wise with how I use my words? Now, the book of Proverbs has all sorts of advice when it comes to how we speak. It tells us to, to not gossip. It teaches us to, to speak in love and speak the truth. It teaches us when to be silent and when to speak up. But in this video, I really want to focus on this verse from the book of Proverbs about using our words. It says this, Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. I think people all around us, and maybe we ourselves, are filled with anxiety, maybe fears about the future, maybe, maybe sadness and, and guilt and shame, anxiety weighing us down. But the book of Proverbs says that a, a kind word can cheer a person up. I've seen this in my own life. I remember when I was younger, I, I knew I wanted to be a pastor, but I was petrified to speak in public or to read in public. I always got so filled with anxiety, so nervous. But then I had some people who give me a kind word to cheer me up. They would say, you know what, I think you could be a pastor. I think you could speak. I really think you could read in public. And, and when they gave me those kind words, I was at ease and, and, and I spoke with confidence. Who do you know that needs to hear a kind word today? Who do you know that, that needs to hear a word of encouragement, a word of forgiveness, a word from God? Anxiety will weigh a person down but a kind word will cheer them up. So how can you be wise with your words today? Speak words that give life. Let's pray. Lord God, one of the most powerful things we can do is speak words of encouragement to build people up. Lord God, put people in our lives today and then give us the words to speak words of kindness and love and encouragement to the glory of your name. Amen.